0: that everyone's back tonight, and it's good to be with you. Um, before I get started, I will remind you of uh, what we talked about at the start of our Bible class this morning. Uh, we're about to finish up Acts. If you've got ideas for where we go after this, let me know. My initial thoughts are perhaps the book of Revelation, or a topical study on the family, or open to your suggestions. So, if you've got a, a, a strong feeling one way or the other, let me know, and we can consider that. Uh, for where we go from here. Uh, Please continue to be praying for the billboard. We are continuing to get results from that and contacts. Uh, I'm not hearing back from folks, unfortunately. They're not really willing to engage in discussion about um, their initial email and my response, but hopefully someone will before long. Um, Tonight, I want to talk about part of what Joseph read for us, Joseph read about uh, this uh, vision that Paul had and uh, where he was transported up into the third heaven. He said that it was what he saw there was so remarkable that it was not lawful to utter what he saw in that experience. That third heaven has to be where God is. But if there's three heavens, then what are the other two? Tonight I want to talk about the other two heavens that Paul doesn't mention here. Uh, But I think there's some incredible things for us to learn from the first and second heavens. What is the first heaven? Well, if we go back to the book of Genesis, to the days of creation, in Genesis chapter 1, beginning of verse 6, I believe the first heaven is the atmosphere surrounding the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, beginning of verse 6, Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters, Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. So God calls this atmosphere that's around the earth, He calls that heaven. Now that's not where He is. Because we can see this. And we can talk about what we see in the atmosphere around us. This is not where God is. This is, I believe, the first heaven. This is where the birds fly. Drop down to chapter 1, verses, verse 20 beginning. Genesis chapter 1, beginning verse 20. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which, uh, with which the waters abounded, according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And so the birds are flying around in in these heavens. Birds aren't flying where God is. This is the atmosphere around the earth, the first heavens. The second heavens, I believe, are what we would call space. And God talks about these in Genesis chapter 1, beginning verse 14. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And so God has created the second heavens, I believe, here, where the sun and moon and stars are. Uh, out in space. This uh, goes along with what he said to Abraham when he was blessing him in Genesis 22, verse 17. Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. We don't have stars in the atmosphere around us. We don't have stars in heaven. They're in the second heaven the space around uh, the earth that we live in. Have you ever taken time to look into the sky? Have you ever watched hawks as they fly in the sky effortlessly, catching those updrafts and keeping their elevation without moving a muscle? Have you ever watched the clouds as they move across the sky? I'm sure this week you've probably watched a lot of those clouds. We've had a lot of those around. Have you ever watched them? Maybe not when it's totally locked in with clouds, but when there are those clouds and partly cloudy and you can see the, the individual cloud moving across the sky. Have you watched those? Have you watched as they move so fast across the sky sometimes? Have you watched as the thunderstorm moved across the horizon at a distance? Have you seen that big thunderhead cloud? And that's how high it reached up into the sky and how dark it was underneath that cloud. Have you watched that and been amazed? Have you ever watched as lightning pulse from cloud to cloud in the distance as that incredible energy moved across the clouds? Have you ever watched that? Or have you ever gone outside at night to look at the moon and the stars? Have you ever been somewhere where it was really, really dark, where you could really see the stars and see the Milky Way? and that bright light that is out there in the night sky that gets clouded out by our lights today. If you've ever stared at the sky, either in the day or at night, and I believe you understand what we read in Psalm, Psalm 19, verse 1 says, if we look at the sky, if we look to the heavens, the first and second heavens, we will see the glory of God. In Psalm 19, beginning verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language that where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of His chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. You look at the sky during the day, every day, today, tomorrow, the next day, and you learn about God's glory And night unto night reveals knowledge. You look at the sky tonight, and you look at it tomorrow night, and you look at it the next night, and you learn about God's glory by looking to the sky. These heavens that declare the glory of God, plural, have to be those first and second heavens, don't they? Because we can't see the third one. And these heavens must be visible to man or else they wouldn't declare anything to us about God. And so we're talking here in Psalm 19 about the first and second heavens, the atmosphere around us, and the space in the universe. They declare the glory of God. So what then can we learn about God by looking at the heavens? Let's examine that tonight. First off, the heavens declare God's great design. Look at the design that is evident in the heavens. Look at the planets that move around the sun in a defined and fixed path. As they move around the sun, this path is directed by a constant battle between the gravitational force of the sun on the planet and the centrifugal force of the planet as that mass moves around in a circle. That constant struggle sets that that orbit in precisely the right spot. On top of this, the planet that we're on, as it moves around the Sun, is on an axis that's tilted approximately 23 and a half degrees. And this tilt in relation to the Sun is what gives us our seasons. And as we move around this axis, as we rotate, we rotate in a rotation that takes 24 hours to complete. If it were faster or slower, we would either freeze or bake. We rotate at the right speed around the sun. And what about all the water that we have in the atmosphere and in the world around us? The earth is about two-thirds water, and there's an incredible amount of water on the surface of the earth, but also in the heavens around the earth as well. Some of this water in the Heavens we can see in the form of fog or rain or snow or clouds. And some of this moisture in the atmosphere around us we can't see, but we can feel it on those hot summer days in the form of humidity to our survival here on earth. And that is because water has a very high specific heat. And specific heat is the amount of energy it takes to raise the temperature of a substance. And water has a very high specific heat, meaning it takes a lot of energy to heat up water. Conversely, when water cools off, it gives off a lot of energy that it is stored. And due to this this high specific heat of water, the earth's temperature changes are buffered. The, The water keeps our temperature at a more constant temperature because of its high specific heat. Have you ever been out in a desert? where there's not a lot of water? What do you know about the temperature in a desert? It gets very, very hot in the the daytime, but at night it gets very, very cold. Why? The absence of water that serves as a buffer to the temperature in the desert, but there's still water around that keeps the desert from getting even hotter or colder. Have you ever noticed that our hottest days of the year come after the summer solstice? And our coldest days of the year come after the winter solstice. Why is that? You would think that on the shortest day of the year, we would experience the coldest temperatures of the year, but it's not so. We're going to have winter solstice here in a couple weeks. It's not going to be as cold in December as it will be in January or February. We have summer solstice in the middle of July. Or is it June? In the middle of June. Our hottest temperatures aren't until we get into August, maybe, late July and August. Why is that? That's because water has this high specific heat, and it takes a lot of energy to get water warmed up. And so in the summer solstice, water is still gaining heat that it has lost during the winter. And then we get to winter solstice, the water is still losing the energy that it has gained during the summer. And so we have this lag. This is by God's design, I believe. All this water in the heavens around us are keeping our temperature at a more constant temperature, at a temperature which life can survive. All of this design that we see, all of this order, and if the atheist is correct, all of this order, all of this design happened one day when there was some matter that just happened to explode. And when it exploded all of the design that we see in the heavens and the universe around us just happened to happen by accident. And when it exploded, every scientific law known to man, even scientific laws that we haven't figured out yet, all of those scientific laws just happened, and they happened all at once by accident. And every element in the scientific table and every one of its unique properties All of those elements happen to be created all at once, by accident, by an explosion. Ridiculous, isn't it? The heavens declare the glory of God. All we need to do is look around us and see the heavens, and we see God's design is on display. In Isaiah 40, beginning of verse 13. Isaiah 40, beginning of verse 13. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? or who, or as his counselor has taught him, with whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. When God got ready to create the universe, what library did he go to? What website did he look up on the internet? What video did he watch to figure out how he was going to do this? He didn't, did he? He didn't need that. God's design is so evident in the universe. It is true what Psalm 14 verse 1 said, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool can look at this universe around us and say, oh, it just happened by an explosion. It just happened by accident. No way. The heavens declare the glory of God. We see His design as we look at the heavens around us. Furthermore, we also see that God exists outside of the physical universe. As we look at the heavens around us, we learn that there must be a creator who is outside of the universe around us. The atheist, on the other hand, must affirm that there is nothing outside of this universe. In other words, this is all there is. What we see in the world around us and in the universe is all there is, and all of this had to create itself And the atheist must also affirm that matter is eternal, that it existed. In the existence today, then that matter must have always existed. That's what the atheist must affirm. And the atheist must affirm that in the face of scientific knowledge that shows otherwise. The first and second law of thermodynamics insists that matter cannot be eternal. Establish processes in nature, processes that we see in the heavens as well. Show us that the earth and the universe must be a young age and not an old age, based upon what we see in the world around us. These problems that the atheists faced are all solved by a creator that exists outside of this physical universe that he created Psalm 102, beginning of verse 25, says this. Psalm 102, beginning of verse 25. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them, and they will be changed. The psalmist says things are winding down in this universe. And as I, we look at the universe around us and we observe the phenomenon that are happening around us, we can tell that things are growing old, that processes are slowing down, that things are changing in the world. The atheist can't explain this. A creator that is outside of the universe can. The Earth processes are decaying. The scientists all agree on this. And it's a problem for the atheist, but it's not a problem for one who believes in God. Psalm 90 verse 2 before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God existed before this universe. And God will exist after this universe is God. God is eternal to the physical processes that are at play in this world. The heavens declare that God must exist outside of the physical universe. The heavens also declare God's power. When we look to the sky, when we look to the heavens, we see God's power. God created a universe that is so large, we can't even comprehend how large it is. There are more stars than we can count, and God created them all. There are literally more stars than scientists can count. They don't even agree on how many stars there are. There are so many stars. Do you remember what God said to Abraham in the promise he made to him? He said he'll make you like your sin is like the stars in heaven, which are can't be counted. That's true even today with all of our technology and all of those rockets that Grant's shooting off into space. They still can't count all the stars. We can't even count them all, there's so many. In Isaiah 40, beginning of verse 26, notice this. Isaiah 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of His might and the strength of His power, not one is missing. God created them all, and He can call them all by name. We can't even count them. And God can call them by name. Isn't that amazing? The heavens declare The power of God. And that's in those second heavens, out in space. What about in closer in the first heavens, in the atmosphere? Does that declare the power of God? Absolutely so. I've told you this, uh, these numbers before, uh, but they boggle my mind every time I think about them. We got a lot of rain this week. I think I got close to six inches of rain at my house this week and you probably saw at your house the ditches just full of water and water standing everywhere. Have you ever thought to th- about how much water would fall from the sky in an event like we've had this week? How much water that is? I got looking back at how much water would fall in your yard if you had a, a yard that was an acre big, an acre lot. If you got one inch of water in your acre lot, that would be over 26,000 gallons of water that fell on your yard. 26,000 gallons of water. That, we know, is a very heavy amount of water. Water is very heavy. Pick up a gallon of water and it's heavy. 27,000 gallons of water is the equivalent of about 113 tons or 226,000 pounds of water that is also the equivalent of about three tanker trucks that you see parked at the gas station. About three of those tanker trucks dumping their load on your one acre yard. And all of that water floated over your head in those clouds. How did God do that? And it wasn't just your yard, it was also your neighbor's yard. And your neighbor's neighbor's yard. And your neighbor neighbor's neighbor's yard. The whole county. The whole, state, we had, the whole state was getting deluged with water this week. How much water was that? God designed the process that would take the water out of the Gulf of Mexico or out of the Pacific Ocean and carry it all the way to Middle Tennessee and drop it out of the sky on your yard. Amazing. Job had been spending some time looking at the heavens and he was amazed. In Job chapter 26, beginning of verse 8, he says, He binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. Job said, wait a minute. This water stuff is heavy. How in the world could all of that water be up in that cloud and not just break? There's nothing holding it up. There's no support to it. And it holds all of that water. God's power is evident in the atmosphere, in the heavens. It's amazing. It's amazing and we need to be amazed as we think about God's power that is on display day and day and night into night as we look to the heavens. In Isaiah 40 verse 12, notice this. Who has measured... This is talking about God and His abilities and His power. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand, measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure... Weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. God is so powerful, it's like he could have all of the earth's water, two-thirds of the earth's surface. He could have it all in the hollow of his hand right there. And he could measure those heavens with a span. The distance between his pinky finger and his thumb, he could measure those with the span. And there's a lot of dust in the earth, he could just have that in a measure, like a measuring cup. And the mountains, those huge mountains, it's like he could just take one of them and put it in a balance and say, how much do you weigh? God's power and His might is incredible. In Jeremiah 32, verse 17, we read, Ah, Lord, behold, you have made the heavens and earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. If God can create all of this, there's nothing too hard for Him. Jeremiah, in chapter 10, beginning of verse 10, says this, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble, and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. Thus you shall say to them, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He has made the earth by His power. He has established the world by His wisdom and has stretched out the heavens at His discretion. God is so powerful, power beyond our imagination, that He could stretch out these heavens that we can look at and be amazed. He just stretches them out at His discretion. And He did so by speaking the Word. He didn't need any tools. He didn't need any human muscle. He didn't need any fancy machinery. He did it all by speaking the Word. That's how powerful He is. Look at Psalm 33, beginning of verse 3. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. He gathers the water of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. God is so powerful. He only has to say, Big Dipper, go right there. Pleiades, go over there. I want the sun here. I want the earth going around it like this. He says the word and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The heavens declare the power of our God. Furthermore, as we look into the heavens and we think about this, I'll tell you what we also must also understand is our incredible insignificance. Do you feel small when you look up at the heavens? You should. Did you get to see the eclipse on August twenty-first, 2017? It's been over five years ago. Hard to believe. Some of you weren't living here then. But if you were in this area, hopefully you got to see the total eclipse. we I took the day off work and we drove over past Lebanon. To where we would be in the path of total uh, eclipse. About a total eclipse. I had read about a total eclipse, but I had no idea what a total eclipse was like until I saw it, and it was phenomenal. You could see the moon moving. You got a sense of depth and a perception of how big things are as you saw the moon traverse across the sun. And the moon is a very small object in relation to the sun, and yet it blocked out the whole sun. You've got a feel of depth and how, how incredibly large this universe must be. These huge bodies moving in motion and there's nothing that we can do to affect that. Man can't control these objects that are in motion around the sun and around the earth. These huge objects and it made me feel incredibly small and insignificant as I stood there watching that. there will be another total eclipse, I think, in 2025, and it'll go through Arkansas. And if I'm able to go to that eclipse, I want to go. And I know that my family will too. It's so incredible. As we look at the world around us, as we look at the heavens, we can feel and should feel, I believe, like the psalmist did in Psalm 8, beginning of verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? This world that is so incredibly vast, and God created all of it. And here I am, little old me, insignificant little me, and yet God cares and is concerned about me. I think I've told you about the telescope that we have at home that that Emily wanted for her birthday several years ago. And when we broke that out and we looked at the moon, and we could see the moon in that telescope, and you've probably seen it through telescopes as well. And you can see the detail on the moon. That's not just a light in the sky. That's a real place that God created, a real place that's just as real as where we're sitting tonight. God created that place. And He created every other place that we can see in the sky around us. And yet He cares about me. Psalm 144 verse 4 says, Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. In Psalm 102 verse 11 we read, My days are like a shadow that lengthen, and I wither away like grass. Man is insignificant, and yet God cares for us. Furthermore, as we look to the heavens and we realize how they declare the glory of God, I want to tell you that the heavens also declare the scientific accuracy of the Bible. As we look to the heavens, as we look to the atmosphere, as we look to space, and we see what God has created, it is remarkable, and we should be impressed by the fact, that everything that is in the Bible that talks about or teaches about the atmosphere or space is completely and 100% scientifically accurate. Now, this is remarkable. Because if man had written the Bible thousands of years ago, man no doubt would have incorporated the false ideas and false concepts and superstitions that they had about the universe back then. But the Bible is absent of all of those superstitions and all of those misunderstandings. If we wrote the Bible 50 years ago and we were talking about the atmosphere and space and the things in space, there'd be errors in the Bible just if we wrote it 50 years ago with our advanced scientific knowledge then because science continues to learn more and more about the universe. But the Bible has none of that misinformation and misunderstanding. This has to tell us that God had a hand in the Bible because of its scientific accuracy. Instead of including the superstitions and the misunderstandings about what was going on in the world back then, the Bible is scientifically accurate. Job 26, verse 7, for example, says, He stretches the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. Now, if Job had been listening to the scientist at his day, he might have included the crazy ideas that were prevalent at his day and have been prevalent in the not-so-recent past, Things like the earth is being supported by a strong man who's standing on a turtle. And how foolish the Bible would look and how we could just throw it away. But the Bible doesn't have any of those inaccuracies. The Bible is scientifically accurate. As I look to the world around me, as I look to the heavens, I can be impressed that the Bible must be inspired by God. And finally tonight, as we think about what the heavens teach us, as they declare the glory of God, heavens teach us that judgment is to come. As the apostles looked into heaven, as Jesus ascended into heaven, they were told He would be coming again. And as we look to the heavens, whether it be at night, to the stars and the moon, or during the day, as we look at the clouds, we need to be reminded that Jesus is coming again. In Acts chapter 1, beginning of verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Not the third heaven. It's either the first or the second heaven they were gazing up into. This same Jesus who was taken up to you uh, from heaven heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus is going to come again. In 2 Th- Peter chapter 3, beginning of verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the way, the heaven which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. Not the third heaven. It's not going to pass away. The heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. But the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved... What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because with which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. There's a day of judgment coming. The heavens that are around us remind us of that. In First Thessalonians chapter four, First Thessalonians four, beginning verse sixteen, the verse that we, passage we looked at this morning. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Jesus is not setting foot on planet earth ever again. He'll come in the clouds. We will rise to meet Him in the clouds and will be with Him forever. That day is coming, and it's coming soon. This world will be destroyed. The first and second heavens will be destroyed. But Jesus' words will be true. Matthew 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will by no means pass away. Jesus' words are truth. They will not pass away. Jesus has said He is coming again. He has said that He will judge us based upon what He's revealed to us in His Word. And as we look to the heavens and we realize that they're not going to be here forever, we need to be reminded that we will give an account for how we have lived our lives. The heavens declare the glory of God. I hope the things that we've talked about tonight have impressed you with how glorious our God is, how impressive His handiwork is as we look to the the skies. Day unto day they utter speech, and night unto night they reveal knowledge. We can learn about God's glory, day or night, if we'll just look up into the heavens above us. We need to be ready to meet him in judgment. How are you living your life? Are there things that need to be corrected? If there are, we would encourage you to make correction and let us know if there's anything we can do to help while we stand and while we sing.